You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi everyone, welcome to the Locked On Clippers podcast. I'm your new host, Lucas Han. I want to get to talking to the Clippers, talking about their their win last night, breaking the losing streak. But first, we got to get a few things out of the way. So, you know, first of all, I want to thank DJ Foster. He's been hosting the podcast up until this point. He talked a little bit about his departure in the last episode. So, if you're a listener and you want to hear kind of what he had to say about that and and stepping away, you should go check out you know his words coming from him. Um, but on my part, I was really happy and surprised when you know I found out that he had recommended for me to take over the podcast. I've got a lot of respect for DJ and. You know, I've been reading him and all the old Clipper blog, Clipper blog guys forever. So it's it's kind of sad for me to see him move on because you know I enjoyed his show, but I'm definitely happy to be here to be taking over and to get to talk Clippers every day with you guys. For those of you that don't know me, um, I'm the editor in chief of ClipsNation.com, which is the Clipper site for SB Nation. I've been running the show there for the last year and a half, and I started writing there in 2011, just a couple months before the Chris Paul trade. I'm from the LA area, uh, from Santa Clarita. I played varsity ball at Saugus High, and now I live actually in Queens, New York. Um, I go to school at St. John's. So yeah, I'm looking forward to doing this podcast every day. I'm looking forward to kind of expanding my horizons a little bit because I haven't done a whole ton of podcast hosting. Um, I've pretty much always done writing in the past, but you know, I'm I'm a diehard Clippers fan, just like you guys probably are if you're listening. You see, you can see me all the time on Twitter, talking to fans, talking to readers. So I'm hoping that this is going to give me a new opportunity to connect with you guys, you know, the listeners of this podcast, meet some cool people, have some really good conversations about basketball and our favorite team. Uh, you can find my writing at ClipsNation.com. You can find me on Twitter at LucasJHan or at ClipsNationSBN. You can find the Facebook page at ClipsNation. And you can email me if you know if ever want to send a comment, a question, anything like that lhan.clipsnation at gmail.com. Um, just a note, Han in all of those, my last name is spelled H-A-N-N, not just H-A-N, you know, like Andrew Han from Clipper Blog. Okay, that's out of the way. Let's talk Clippers. Now, maybe, I don't know, I'm just saying, maybe I'm good luck because I'm taking over the podcast today. I'm getting ready to do my first episode last night, right, watching the game, and the Clippers snap a six-game losing streak. Now, I don't want to put anything on DJ, but that six-game losing streak pretty much all came while he was on hiatus. So, I don't know, maybe now that Locked On Clippers is back, the Clippers can get back in their groove. The Clippers last night, of course, took down the Suns 109-98. to It wasn't an amazing victory. You know, they, they let up a big run in the fourth quarter. They had 20 turnovers as a team, which was less than ideal. But it's a victory, and most importantly, it's a victory without Chris Paul and without Blake Griffin, and that's something that this team hadn't done yet this season. So, you know, I think just confidence-wise for the supporting cast, I think it's a big deal for them 
to be able to get a win without those guys because they haven't done it yet. Five of the last six games they played without Chris Paul and they lost all five of them. And I worry that if they had kind of gotten Chris back in the lineup without having been able to win while he was out, it would really hurt the confidence of this team, especially if, you know, let's say he comes back this week and then in March he has to miss a couple games with the flu or something. You never know. And I think that now the the supporting cast confidence is going to be a lot higher having been able to just beat an NBA team, even though it was I know it's Phoenix, but just beat an NBA team with Chris Paul on the injury report. And one thing that impressed me that I was kind of tracking when I was following the game that, that I have a fun time with is how balanced the scoring was. Um, I don't know if anyone else noticed this, but the Clippers played a nine-man rotation last night, which is unusual because Doc normally plays ten guys. But he sat Pierce and he sat Anderson, even though they were both healthy. He played nine. And he sort of staggered the guards around to try to keep three-guard lineups out there as much as possible. But listen to this. Only Wesley Johnson scored less than nine points. Wesley played 15 minutes. He hit one of two threes. He got a couple blocks, a couple rebounds. That was his night. Everyone else had nine or more points. And I was watching in the fourth quarter trying to, you know, really hoping that DeAndre would get an extra bucket or Austin would get an extra bucket or Mo would get an extra bucket and they could get eight guys into double figures because that would be pretty cool. That's pretty unique. But still, five guys in double figures, three more with nine points. The lead scorer was J.J. Redick with 22, and the team got all the way up to 109. So that's really balanced. That's You know, my recap title when I was writing my game story last night was Balanced Clippers and Losing Streak because they kind of share, they shared the responsibility. They shared the load a little bit. The only guy who you might expect to score more who didn't is Austin, who had a kind of an off night, even though he's been playing well for the most part in Chris's absence. But that was impressive to me. It was impressive that they were able to kind of get synced up and play well enough as a group. I was thinking that if the Clippers were going to win games during this stretch, it would come down to, can Austin Rivers explode for a 30-point game like we've we've seen him do? Or can Jamal Crawford do something insane and get 35? But to see it happen like this, where it was more of a collective effort and not on the back of one guy, that was impressive to me. It was it was impressive to to take in and to see them do it in that sort of collective manner. Um, now, moving forward, they've obviously got the Memphis Grizzlies coming up into town on Wednesday, which is a much tougher matchup. We've seen the Clippers in this stretch sort of play the bad teams close and get blown out by the good teams, but... I guess all we can really do is keep hoping that, that Chris Paul is going to be back. Um, and if Chris Paul is able to play on Wednesday against the Grizzlies, you can bet he's going to be fired up and you're going to want to see him. And SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games that you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in at the game for the biggest plays of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seats you want for great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house, wherever you want to sit, whether that's courtside, the club seats, or upper level. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find the seats for this weekend or any game this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because it compares prices for you by searching multiple ticket sites. 
Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest price available. And every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. But what's best is that all of my listeners get a $20 rebate off of their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, and click Add a Promo Code. Enter promo code LOCLIPPERS, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOCLIPPERS today. If your company is interested in reaching mostly young men from the age 18 to 44, you should be sponsoring our podcast too. Our rates are reasonable. Um, You can email me again, lhan.clipsnation at gmail.com. I'd be happy to talk to you about it and, and see what we can do for your company. So now moving forward into this Memphis game, the Clippers, I think, are going to have more trouble if they aren't able to get Chris Paul back because you have to deal with Memphis's size. And while Chris Paul doesn't really, he doesn't have anything to do with the Clippers' size, how they do down low, he lets you win at the guard positions. And if you win at the guard positions, you can afford to lose those down low matchups. Without Blake Griffin, who Blake Griffin's not coming back for, for another couple weeks at least, Chris Paul at least has a chance, the Clippers are going to struggle down low against the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies have always been big. They've always been grit and grind. And even though DeAndre Jordan makes sort of a individual, he, he makes a team defense impact that, that's hard to quantify, he always seems to get outscored at least by Marc Gasol in those matchups. So you're losing points at the center position. And you're definitely going to be losing points at the power forward position because whatever direction the Clippers end up going in there, they're going to be starting Paul Pierce or Wesley Johnson or Luke Mbamute, and none of those guys are big-time scorers. So it's going to come down to the Clippers' guards being able to score and, importantly, outscore the Grizzlies' guards. Obviously, that's a lot easier to do if you've got Chris Paul in the lineup. But even if they don't, I think it'll take take the same kind of effort that they had tonight, where Jamal Crawford has 18, Redick has 22, Felton has 16. You get that balanced scoring effort where all the guards are contributing, all the guards are threats. Obviously, it would be nice to have Austin do more, but that's tough. Memphis is a tough game if if they're going to play their guys, you know, on the second night of a back-to-back against the Clippers. Um, you know, Zach Randolph's been coming off the bench a lot for them, but he still plays a lot of minutes. He's still scoring 13 points a game. And he's going to be a handful for Brandon Bass. That's a handful for Brandon Bass, who's played really well. Bass has played great lately, but Zach Randolph is a whole other kind of matchup for Brandon Bass down low. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Doc go to that Mo Spates and DeAndre Jordan lineup. we kind of seen it in spot minutes lately. I like it on offense. Uh, defense is where it's hard to get away with it because... You obviously don't want DeAndre Jordan guarding fours. You want him guarding the other team's center. You want him on the inside where he can help out. But, you know, Mo, for for all Mo does, he's not really getting out on the perimeter and defending anyone with sort of perimeter skills. That's just not putting him in a position to succeed. So they were able to, to play that lineup against the Spurs because the Spurs play two kind of big, slow guys in Pau Gasol and LaMarcus Aldridge. We've seen it in spots, other places, when teams put two big guys out on the floor. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that Doc kind of goes to in extended minutes against Memphis if Memphis is going to play 
extended minutes with Gasol and Randolph on the floor, Doc might counter by using Spates and Jordan together and getting that extra shooting out on the floor. Because as funny as it sounds, the Clippers, probably the Clippers' best floor spacing option at power forward is their backup center. It's Mo Spates. You'd have you'd rather have Mo Spates out there shooting kickout threes than you know than Paul Pierce, than Imba Mute, even Wesley Johnson, because Wesley's had kind of a poor year this year. So that that might be an opportunity. The Clippers might be able to turn that weakness into a strength, and it might let them play that too big lineup that they've been looking for. But it's gonna be man, I tell you, it's gonna be hard without Chris Paul because we've seen this team you know they play close against Dallas they play close against the Lakers against the Pelicans in now beating the Suns last night those are all bad teams um and that's fair it's not like it's awful to lose to those teams because the Clippers missing both of their stars they're a bad team too this this Clippers team as we've seen it in recent games would probably struggle to win 20 games in a season um you know, that's just, that's how it goes. That's the level of talent that's on the roster when you take away Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. But I really think Memphis is in that class with Houston and Oklahoma City where if Memphis shows up to play, if they really show up with intensity and Chris Paul is still out, the Clippers are going to need an almost perfect game. They really are going to need an almost perfect game to win that if they don't have Chris Paul. But there's some wiggle room there. There's there's always wiggle room. Memphis is on the second night of a back-to-back in the middle of a road trip. They're going to Oakland to play the Warriors after they play the Clippers. They're going from there to Golden State. Maybe someone sits out in the Clippers game and changes the whole landscape. Maybe they end up having to go into, like, quadruple overtime against the Lakers and they're all dead tired uh you know it's we we won't know until we get there but it's looking like it's going to be a really really rough matchup especially if Chris Paul doesn't play and earlier today I thought Chris Paul was going to definitely be playing by Wednesday and and now I'm feeling not so sure about it because it sounds like the Clippers are taking the uber uber cautious route which is interesting because they played him in New Orleans in a game that they really should have won with him on the floor, and they lost anyway. Um, so that's just, it's tough. Memphis is going to be tough. Um, but you can make sure to go check out ClipsNation.com. We're going to have game coverage. We have in-depth game preview, in-depth game recap, game thread where you can comment and talk to Clippers fans. It's a lot of fun. Now, one thing that I think is interesting to talk about as a result of these injuries that the Clippers have had recently with Blake missing time, with Chris missing time, uh, even JJ missed a little bit of time, is the rotation. Because we get a chance to see sort of an experimental rotation on a night-to-night basis right now, depending on who's in, who's out what the matchup is. You might see Allen Anderson, you might see Paul Pierce, you might see more of Brandon Bass. But I, I, I like that. I like playing with rotations like that in my head, thinking about different lineups. But I also like thinking about how what we're seeing now can change what this team looks like when everyone comes back. Because one thing that's really, really stuck out to me 
in the last two weeks is that Brandon Bass deserves to be playing. He just does. Um, he He's played so well in the absence of Blake Griffin, and the Clippers don't really have a guy who can score down low. Almost all of their offense with Blake being out is coming from their guards, and that's not really a winning formula. You know, it, it works sometimes, but it doesn't work all the time. DJ plays off of the guards a lot, but Bass has been able to score in the post, and he's just getting, you know, I made a joke on Twitter the other day that Brandon Bass has two plays in his, in his arsenal. He has a big two-handed dunk, and he has a spin and then a big two-handed dunk. And I'm a fan of both. I'm a fan of both those plays. <laughs> they're, they're fun to watch. They're good for momentum. They're really efficient, um, you know, because they're two-handed dunks. So I'd like to see Brandon Bass on the floor more even when the team is healthy. And I know that something Doc has been trying to do is stretch the floor, especially with the second unit, because you're kind of stuck playing a traditional two-big lineup when you have a max salary power forward and a max salary center. And so Doc's been trying in the last few years to have a small ball bench lineup that gives him some versatile options to play around DJ or play around Blake or whoever the third big is, whether it's Cole Aldrich or now Mo Spates, to play around those guys with with small ball in the minutes when Blake and DJ aren't sharing the floor. But I think from what we've seen, you almost have to go Bass at, as the backup four when Blake comes back because he's just played, I mean, just in the last five games, he's averaging 17 minutes off the bench, He's averaging 11 points and 3 rebounds, and he's shooting 63% from the field. That's great. That's great. You're getting so much offensive production from a backup big man. And I think he fits really well with Mo Spates because he lets Mo drift out more on offense and space the floor, and then Bass is able to have more space to operate inside. But then on the other end... Brandon Bass doesn't have to be the defensive anchor. You know, Mo Spates isn't exactly a defensive stalwart, but he's big. He takes charges. He blocks some shots. He's a presence in the lane in a way that Brandon Bass really isn't at 6'8". But having Brandon Bass as more of a secondary inside defender and then letting letting him have an anchor on defense but have that anchor then space the floor for him on offense, I think it's a really interesting fit. Um, and it's something that's definitely been working, and it's something that I think Doc Rivers really should keep riding throughout the season. It, you know, until until it stops working, until we see that it's not a good strategy, I don't see why you would ever go away from it. Um, and I know that that puts you in a it puts you in a tough situation. It does because then you are kind of limiting your small ball options for when for when um when you I mean when you want to play small you don't have those guys in your rotation who are warm who are used to getting minutes. So I think if you're going to play Brandon Bass you have to bench Wesley Johnson, which is something that I'm not wild about, but it's something that I'm willing to do 
seeing how, how Wesley has played recently and how Brandon has played recently. And Wesley hasn't shot the ball well yet this year. Um, you know, I'm not closing the book on Wesley. I'm not saying he's done. But I'm saying right now I think Bass has earned those minutes more than Wes has. And like, like I said, it puts you in a tough situation because Wes is really your number two small forward, even though he's played almost exclusively power forward minutes this year on the second unit. If something happens to Luke, whether he gets injured or he gets into foul trouble or even if it's just a situation where he's playing poorly on offense and he becomes unplayable, Wesley's kind of the other real small forward on the roster. And if you bench Wesley, you don't have another small forward in your rotation because on the bench, obviously, the Clippers are playing that three-guard lineup with Felton, Rivers, and Crawford. And then Allen Anderson is in that picture somewhere, but I have a hard time finding minutes for Allen Anderson too because... You can't play him in the in those Wesley Johnson minutes that, that Bass is probably taking because those are power forward minutes. Wesley Johnson is Wesley Johnson just isn't playing small forward this year. He's playing almost exclusively power forward, especially when the team was healthy. He pretty much only ever played power forward. And Alan Anderson, you know, I like Alan Anderson, but he's like six five. And he fouls a lot. So I don't think you can really get consistent quality minutes out of him playing him at the four I just don't think it makes sense um and so if you want to play Alan Anderson your options are either move Luke Mbamute to the power forward with Blake out you would move Luke to the power forward when Blake comes back your option would be to bench Luke or sit down one of those guys from the bench three guard lineup whether it's Rivers Crawford or Felton and while I get that that might be enticing you know I know some people really don't like Austin Rivers I know some people really don't like Jamal Crawford I don't think you really get better as a basketball team by by benching any of those guys for Allen Anderson um that's you know that's a little disappointing to me because I was really high on Allen Anderson I was high on him well before the Clippers signed him I was a big fan of the signing um but yeah, it's hard for me to see see where he fits into this group because that three guard lineup on the bench is here to stay. Unless one of those, you know, unless the Clippers make a trade with one of those new contracts that they gave to Jamal or Austin, they're not benching Felton, Rivers, or Crawford. Not none of those guys are getting benched. So unless someone gets hurt or traded, Anderson really isn't going to be able to get minutes because. You know, it's a good problem to have because the reason he can't get minutes is that Luke Mbamute has just played so well this year. Um, and we saw it again last night, even on offense. He had 13 points. He made a three. He drove the ball to the rim. He got fouled. He finished plays. On the season, he's shooting 40% from deep. And, oh, yeah, he's the best defender in basketball. So that's... That's hard to it's hard to put Allen Anderson in it's hard to get him minutes right now. Um I think Doc's feeling that and while there's some grumbling and you see especially guy you know, guys like Zach Lowe. Zach Lowe really is not a fan of Luke and Mute. Zach Lowe's wondering why can't Allen Anderson get minutes? It's because he's got guys in front of him that are playing too well to 
make Doc Rivers look anywhere else. Um, and, you know, at such a small sample size, I don't want to criticize Allen, but it's not like he's played amazing in those minutes. It's not like you're really going, wow, I need to see more of this guy. He's He really needs to be playing. He's been all right. He's, he's been okay, and the minutes have been low. It's a small sample size, but I'm just not... I'm not seeing any way to fit him in right now, but Brandon Bass is the guy who I think has to be fit in. I think that if that inc- includes sitting down Wesley Johnson, it, it includes sitting down Wesley Johnson. Um, but one thing that we all can agree on is that Paul Pierce should not be in the rotation. And that, even even in a six-game losing streak, it's been nice to not have to watch very much Paul Pierce. He played in OKC, but... He didn't play last night against Phoenix. He didn't play at least in the three games um, before that Oklahoma City game. So here's hoping that Paul Pierce is out of the rotation and that he's he's played poorly enough on both ends of the floor for even Doc Rivers to to turn away from him, and at least until there's un, maybe if there's another injury, you have to play him if you if you lose. Wesley also, and now you're down to, you know, you you get really limited at that four spot. But hopefully, even if hopefully Bryce Johnson can come back. We we haven't really had an update on Bryce Johnson, who was supposed to be back sometime in de- December after fracturing a vertebrae in his lower back. But if they're able to get Bryce back, I, he'll probably end up in the D League with with Diamond, but. Paul Pierce is out of the rotation, and that's, you know, maybe he'll just go take more weird pictures. I, if you guys have been going to, to the Clippers games, they put up weird pictures of Paul Pierce and ask the players to, to caption them with a hashtag. The one last night against Phoenix was a picture of him with, with a llama, um, believe it, yeah, a llama, and the, the hashtags were kind of funny. Um, it's funny seeing Austin Rivers up there roasting Paul Pierce because you get the feeling that Paul Pierce is like Austin's uncle or something with the way how close Paul is to Doc and, uh, you know, Austin being like 15 years younger than Paul, which is a pretty interesting dynamic for a team. You know, I mean, Diamond Stone is 20 years younger than Paul Pierce, which is crazy. Paul Pierce has been playing in the NBA since Diamond Stone was born. Um, Anyway, I'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit more about that Memphis game coming up. We'll talk about some lineup stuff. We'll talk about some strategy stuff. I want to get into a little bit about how the three-guard lineup that Doc used last night helped the team's offense, but in certain matchups could really hamper them on defense. And obviously, I want to take your guys' questions. You know, this is a two-way street. I want to talk about what you guys want to hear about. You can tweet me questions at LucasJHan or at ClipsNationSBN. Email me, lhan.clipsnation at gmail.com. And I'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. This is Lucas Hans signing off, Locked On Clippers.
is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.